Tonight I want to set before you the subject, of course this is something we could take a long time considering, but we're going to be relatively brief tonight, the conquest of the cross. Verse number 30 of John chapter 19, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Three words in the English, one word in the Greek. It is finished. And in the Greek, that one word is a trade word. And it means the redemption has been paid in full. Paid in full. So that's what we want to consider tonight, the conquest of the cross, the finished work of Christ. It is finished, paid in full. Now, this was not the despairing cry of a helpless victim. It was not an expression of relief that his sufferings were at last over. It was not the last gasp of a worn-out life. No, rather, it was the declaration on the part of the Divine Redeemer that all for which he came from heaven to earth to do was now done. That all that was needed to reveal the full character of God had now been accomplished. That all that was required by the law before sinners could be justly saved had now been performed. That the full price of our redemption was paid paid in full. His sacrificial work was now finished, except for the act of death itself, which you notice followed immediately. But as we will see, the completing of the sacrificial work of Christ made an end of a number of things. The work is finished. Christ isn't finished. That sacrificial Work of his is finished, but the effects of that work go on. They go on mightily across this world until the end of time right into eternity. So we're going to consider three. We could consider many, but we're going to look at three of those things tonight that the sacrificial work of Christ has made an end of. The first is this, and you may doubt this, but I want you to think about this. The first being... It was the end of Satan's power. Do you believe that? It was the end of Satan's dominion. I was blessed tonight by the prayers of God's people. Uh, Let me tell you, we owe a great debt to those who come in to uphold our arms in prayer. Intercessory prayer. This work can't go on apart from it. And there was one individual who prayed concerning the power of Christ and the defeat of Satan. And I took that as a prayer from God, as a source of confirmation to me that we have the message of God. Did you pray tonight, Lord, speak to my heart? I need a voice. I need a word from the Lord. Lord, speak to my heart. So this great work of Christ that is now finished, the effects live on. And one thing it brought to an end was Satan's dominion. Satan's power. Now here we see his destruction. Now I want you to get this. We see it by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we see this destructive work of Christ, so far as Satan is concerned, by faith. 
The cross sounded the death knell of the devil's power. To human appearances, it looked like the moment of his greatest triumph. Yet in reality, it was the hour of his ultimate defeat. In view of the cross, the Savior declared, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. That's what Christ said. And I believe what he has said. It is true that Satan has not yet been chained and cast into the bottomless pit. Nevertheless, sentence has been passed, though not yet executed. His doom is certain, and his power is already broken so far as believers are concerned. For the Christian, the devil is a vanquished foe. Through his death, our Savior destroyed, destroyed him that had, past tense, that had the power of death. Believers are already delivered. They've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Satan then should be treated as he truly is, a defeated enemy. We should never speak of Satan as one who has overcoming power so far as the saints of God are concerned. No longer has he any legitimate claim upon us. Those days are gone. Once Satan worked in us, working his wicked delights, his wicked pleasures, and he could do as he willed. Once he worked in us, but now God worketh in us, both to will. He gives us the will. And the accomplishment, the power to accomplish that will. But now it is God that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And all that we have to do now is to submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Is that the language of somebody who is conquered? And he will flee from you. So when you feel that Satan's power is overwhelming and overcoming you, here's the remedy. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. No! God's will be done. He will flee from you. There's the power you have through Christ. You have the power to the finished work of Christ to put devil on the run. Are you using that power? Don't take the defeatist attitude that many Christians have taken. I can't do this. I can't overcome the Satan's power. Listen to you. You don't know who you are. You're a Christian. And you've been saved by the mighty power, the finished work of Christ on the cross. Some of you, I was going to say younger people, but I'm thinking this is probably more something akin to my generation. And I can no longer say I'm a young person. I wish I could, but I have to be realistic. I'm not a young person. But there was a program, uh, it was a science fiction program, and I used to have some interest in that, and it was called Star Trek. And in that particular program, there was a people known as the Borg. They were a robotic race. And uh, their repeated claim was resistance is futile. Many race coming to overcome them. They were greeted with this thought, resistance is futile. 
We will overcome. Resistance is futile. Now that's the way it used to be with us and Satan. Resistance was futile. We had not the power, we had not the will to overcome. Resistance was futile. But that's long gone. That's over now. And I would say this to you, children of God. Do not give way to the devil. Do not give place to the devil. He has no legitimate claim upon us any longer. We're God's people. We once were the devil's crowd. But God changed that by the death of his dear son. And we overcome now in the precious blood and promise of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us we are not only overcomers, but we are more. That's the work, that's the emphasis of the Holy Ghost. He hath made us more than overcomers through him who loved us. When I suffered my stroke some four years ago, Satan said to me, you're finished. You're finished. Resistance is futile. And for a time I believed him. What a fool I was. I underestimated the power of Christ. His overcoming power. Three months ago, as I nearly fainted in the pulpit, the devil has said again to me, you're finished. No sense you going on. This is a futile exercise. That's the way you're going to end up on the floor. Resistance is futile. And for a time I accepted that and I believed that. But for a little time. In a matter of a few days, the first of that week, two bookings come in for me to preach. And I laughed. at the Listen to that devil. You told me resistance was futile. And I was stupid enough to believe you. But here God is telling me, I'm not finished yet. You still have a work to do. Now on top of the worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power. Let me say, we need to remember as God's people who we are in Christ. We are a people that have overcome, have already overcome. And we need to accept who we are, believe who we are, by faith stand into it. We are God's redeemed, overcoming people. Satan has no claim upon your heart and upon your life. Jesus bled and died to remove that. And we need day by day to stand into the victory of the cross. It is finished, paid in full. The devil's power and dominion has been overcome. And we are to show that as we live out for Christ day by day. Not the defeatist attitude. But the attitude of overcoming power. I shall overcome. And so we shall. As the saints of God. I don't know where you are, child of God tonight. Maybe you're cast down. Maybe the devil has you just where he wants you. Just remember. For the sake of Christ. He's bled and died to give you the victory. His glory depends on it. And you stand in to the victory of Christ. At the cross. Claim it for yourself. And don't live another day or another hour under the usurping power of Satan. He'll take it. Whatever we give, he'll take. But don't give it. 
Christ has given us complete, absolute, through his power, utter, overcoming victory and power. And so we see through this finished work of Christ, him having paid it in full, the price of our redemption, we see the end of Satan's dominion and his power. But we see also the end of the law's requirement. Because Christ perfectly fulfilled them, every one of them. Man being depraved and sinful could not keep the law. We had no desire to keep it. We had a desire to break the law. And we had not the power to keep it. Yet that law must be kept. And kept by a man. So the law might be honored. Romans 8 and 3 declares, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, we're not reading here about the weakness of the law. We're reading about the weakness of the flesh to keep the law. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in them. Not by them, we couldn't do it, but in them. Who walk, here's the people of victory. Who walk after, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But Christ not only kept the precept of the law for us, every one of them, perfectly, to the very length and degree, he also suffered its penalty and endured its curse. We had broken it, how we had broken it. And taking our place, he must receive his just sentence. He must receive it. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Christ is the end. He kept it till the end. Even on the cross, he was perfectly keeping the law for you and me. You see there on the cross how he was thinking of others. He was thinking of his mother. The greatest hour of pain and all the fury of God was unleashed upon him because of your sin and mine. He's thinking of his mother. He's thinking of the disciple whom he loved, John. Even that vinegar. Why did he take it? That the scripture might be fulfilled. He's thinking about the scripture. Not a suffering for the scripture. And uh, so the Lord has done all this for us. He's kept every precept of the law that we had broken. God takes the law very seriously. I want to stress this. Any that are unsaved in the gathering tonight, Christ takes the law, his law, very, very seriously. You look at the cross, that tells you how seriously he takes the law. Somebody had to pay for the broken law. We couldn't be saved willy-nilly. Somebody had to make the payment so that we could receive Christ and be redeemed by his precious blood. We're all so tempted to take shortcuts. But the law must be kept. And it must be kept perfectly. Have you ever thought how long you and I can go without breaking the law? An hour? A morning? An evening? A night? A day? How long? That tells you that by nature we're lawbreakers. We're always looking for shortcuts. I remember 
being at a maze not too far from here with the family. And I thought I'd be real smart, and I thought I'll find the, the, where we're supposed to go by getting someone to go up a little bit high. You go up there, and you show, where, show me where, where this spot is where we're to finish. And I thought, I'll break through the hedge. Didn't want to be harming the hedge, but it didn't pan out. But uh, there was the desire there to, to, to take the shortcut. That's just the way it is. Not right. This nature, lawbreakers. I was on one occasion a number of years ago. I must be very careful what I say here. I, I was uh, exceeding the speed limit by a very marginal degree. And that irked me. And I said to the policeman, I was very respectful. I said to him, do you not think this is a legalistic enforcement of the law? Do you not think one or two miles per hour is a legalistic enforcement? I didn't make the law, I said. And you've broken the law. And it's my job to enforce the law. What could I say? He had me dead to rights, and I had to produce eventually the money. We are lawbreakers by nature. We needed a law keeper. And thank God Christ was the one who purposed he would come and live a perfect life, keep every precept of the law impeccably. Schoolboy committed an offense so bad that his teacher felt the rod was necessary. But when the boy's shirt was removed, it was like looking on a living skeleton. And the master had not the heart to beat him. He didn't know what to do. And at length he said, Will any of you take his place? And immediately, right away, a bigger boy stepped forward, tears filling his eyes, and they pulled off his own chariot, pushed a little lad aside, and offered his back to the rod. Christ Give us back to the smiters. Here I am. You beat all you can beat. I'm dying for him. I've lived for him. Now I'm going to die for him. He gave his back to the smiters. That we might be spared the awful, the terrible justice of God. Look at the cross if you want to see the justice of God. Look at hell if you want to see a further indication of God's justice. God must punish sin. God can never take a light view and soft view regarding sin. He will never take any shortcut. That law must be kept, kept by man and kept perfectly. And thank God Jesus Christ has done it. And that law that you and I had broken with impunity, we had great delight in doing it. God has borne the penalty that we so richly deserved. And so Christ gave his back to the smiters that we might be spared the awful judgment of God. I wonder, will you tonight make the Lord Jesus your substitute? Make him. Just don't let him, as it were, be here in this meeting. By faith, make him your substitute. The law condemns, but Christ justifies. And you can leave this meeting just as if you'd never sinned. Lawbreaker that you are. Lawbreaker that I am. Sinner that you are. Sinner that I am. You can leave the meeting tonight completely, 
utterly, absolutely clean. The law condemns, but Christ justifies and is willing to do that tonight in your case. If you take the humble place, the Lord come, have mercy upon thee. Take my place. Bear the wrath of God on our, my behalf. So we have here seen something of the law's requirement being brought to an end. Jesus Christ lived the life we could not live. He died the death we could not die. What a life, what a death. It can be yours tonight. If by faith you make it yours. And you see how the cross has brought an end to the law's requirements. Jesus has paid it all. And then the third thing is this. The finished work of Christ, paid in full, is an indication, is a sure truth, that our sins have been brought to an end. Now, I'm somewhat hesitant to say this. But we see here in the cross the end of our sins. Who in the world would have ever thought that we would see this day? A day when Jesus Christ would so work that we would see our sins no more. No more. Maybe we could turn back just for a moment to Daniel. It's a wonderful chapter there. So pertinent for the message tonight. Daniel chapter 9. And uh, perhaps we could read just one verse. The verse number 24. This is the chapter that speaks of the coming Messiah. Daniel chapter 9. The verse number 24. Speaking of Christ's work on the cross. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. I'll give you a second or two. Daniel 9. And the verse number 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon the people and upon the holy city to make the transgressions, to finish the transgressions, and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the holy, most holy. So here's, here it is. In this work of Messiah upon the cross, he has brought an end of our sins. He has brought in reconciliation and everlasting righteousness. So here it is. Here's the wonderful work of Christ now being realized. The sin has been dealt with. It's been brought to an end. In its place we have this never-ending, a righteousness that will last forever. Did you ever think you'd see a day like that? We've seen it. It was the day of the cross when Christ made an end of our sin and brought to our hearts and souls that everlasting righteousness, that righteousness that goes on and on. There's no end to it. Just as Christ is eternal, so is his righteousness eternal. So far as his people are concerned, the sins of the believer, all of them, every last one of them, were transferred to the Savior. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, I don't very often ask you to turn from first to first, but I'm going to ask you to turn again to Isaiah 53. And I want you to see something here. Something that, by the way, was brought to my power in my own experience even this very night. Isaiah chapter 3, that chapter that speaks so lucidly, so clearly of the Messiah. 
and the coming Christ of God. Isaiah chapter 53 and the verse number 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord that laid on him, that is Christ, laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, if you have a marginal rendering in your Bible, you will see there for that expression, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the rendering, hath made the iniquity of us all to meet on him. In other words, all the iniquities of all of God's people from every age has conspired upon Christ. They've met in him. And the idea there in the Greek is that it comes with some degree of What's the word I'm looking for? Oppression? No, more deeply than that. Word of antagonism? Yes. Thank the Lord there was a time in the pulpit if I couldn't get that, I'd just go on and hope for the best. But I've waited. God's given me the word. It's a place of antagonism. All our sins came. It was an antagonistic effort upon Christ to overcome all the sins of all of God's people placed upon the body and work of Jesus Christ. With the intent of overcoming him. That's the thought here in the Hebrew. But oh, Christ overcame them, every one of them. And so often in the Old Testament, you remember that uh, the fire was burning, and the fire kept on burning because sin kept coming, and the fire had to keep on be burning. But Christ made an end of the fire, He put the fire out, He extinguished it by His power. And even though all of these many iniquities were laid upon him, met in him, seeking to overcome him, Christ overcame every last one of them. The iniquity of us all have been laid upon Christ. If Now here's the reasoning. God's people should be reasoners when they come to the word of God. What does that mean? Well, it means this. If, if God has laid my iniquities on Christ, then they are no longer mine. That's the thing. We should use sanctified reasoning when we come to the word of God. If God has laid my iniquities on Christ, and he has, they are no longer mine. He has taken them far, far away. And cast them behind his back, a back red with blood. All that is necessary for man's salvation is accomplished. The work is finished. Nothing can be added to it. And I would say, dear sinner, tonight, again remember that somebody must pay for sin. Whether you make Christ your payment or you will be the payment, Somebody has to pay. Will you not tonight accept this truth? Believe this truth. Rest upon it. God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Notice that. Not all, but of us all, the people of God. And you need by faith to stand in that. God is satisfied. How satisfied God is with the work of his son. God is satisfied with the work of Christ. Why not you? Should you not be satisfied? If God the Father is satisfied, why not you? There was a day in my experience when I saw it in a flash. Jesus has paid the debt. 
The work is finished. It's just a matter of me by faith standing into it. And I wouldn't leave that tabernacle building until I knew I was saved. Every sin redeemed. Be justified. What a night it was. It could be your experience tonight. If you just step in by faith to the work, the finished work of Christ on behalf of sinners. The moment you believe, I tell you, the moment you believe concerning God's testimony, concerning God's beloved Son, that moment, every sin you've ever committed will be as though you've never committed sin. The vilest offender, is that you? The vilest offender who truly, truly believes that moment from Jesus of pardon receives. Wouldn't you want to leave this place pardoned? You come in on your way to hell, sins weighing you down, the vilest of sins. And tonight you've heard the message, the vilest offender who just truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Turn, I would ask you tonight, I would plead with you tonight, turn from sin. Turn from self. And trust the Savior only and absolutely. Who declared, it is finished. Paid. And full. What a glad message. What a glorious message we have to proclaim. We trust and pray. There's some prayers set up for you tonight already. That you'll hear and you'll heed the gospel message. By faith, make Christ your own. And leave absolutely, perfectly righteous. Every sin removed. And you can begin to walk the heaven and home. With a heart justified by Calvary's precious blood. We'll end it there. Pray that